Do you want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring, Restoring Your Voice. All righty then, welcome to this episode of Restoring Your Voice. This is your host, Pastor David. Hope everybody's having a, a blessed day, blessed beginning of your week. This is the 19th of September. Uh, as of this recording, it's also national. It's also national Talk Like a Pirate Day. Are anyway, uh, real quickly, uh, head on over to the YouTube channel wherever you're watching from. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification when you hit that notification bell. All right, there's gonna be a drop down menu. Hit the all button. So you get notified when I go live. In fact, I just got done with a live Q&A session, which is a YouTube exclusive. So only on YouTube do I do live Q&As and for you to bring your best Bible-based questions, whether you agree with me, disagree with me, atheist, non-believer, Muslim, Hindu, whatever. All right, so, you, so if you're you know watching this on Facebook, then you need to head, check it out on the YouTube channel. I don't, like, this is also streaming on my website, uh, but I don't stream it there for the live Q&A. But that also reminds me, hey, Head on over to my website, davidcmaguire.org, davidcmaguire.org. Why? So everything is on there. Sermons, playlists, uh, the, the show, an audio podcast, blogs, newsletters. So hit that sign up button. Sign up for to receive my newsletter so you don't miss out. You don't miss out when I publish a new blog. All right. All of that is out of the way. Um, let's get rocking. Terrence on Facebook. Welcome, my best friend, my brother from another mother up there in the great state of Washington. All right, so today's topic is going to be heavy. Are you prepared for it? All right. Well, I'm going to talk about whether you're not. So I titled this episode, The Cost of Free Christianity. Why? Why? Because oftentimes in America, we hear the terms free. Salvation is a free gift, things like that. But what does the Bible actually say about that type of thing? This may ruffle your feathers. All right, but I'm just simply doing my best to present what it says in the Bible. All right, that's what the show is geared toward, is equipping the saints. All right, so why why do I say the cost of, of free salvation? When we preach a free salvation message, what, what are the results of that? We have a bunch of people walking around claiming the name of Christian, right? Claiming an identity with Jesus, but living anything but. Now, I'll get more... Uh, deeper into this on Wednesday's show. So think of Wednesday's show uh, as a follow-up to this one. Um, so you can think about it like that. So what I'm talking about today is this cost, right? Because what does Bible actually say? And then I've got a couple quotes uh, pulled up. Um, and, and I love this quote about, and I don't know exactly who said it first. Um, things I pulled up, a lot of people are using it. Not giving, not attributing it to anybody. But I will say it's not my quote. Anyway, there's a quote that talks about the the crown without the cross. Now let's unpack that. What do you mean the crown? We want what uh, the Bible says about the crown of life, right? And we, and I and of course, my wish, my hope, my prayer would be many people would accept it, right? They would receive the crown of life, but something's got to come before the crown of life, and that's called the cross. And we, you and me, right, whomever God enables, 
to receive the message of salvation, right? However you work, however you work that out, I'll, I'll leave that up to you. All right, I'm not into all the different isms. But God does this. He enables a person to make a choice, okay? Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to get into Calvinism, Arminianism, any of that. But we, we enable a decision, right? Which means we have to do something, all right? Which means salvation is not a free gift, right? Free in the term of we don't have to work for it. Like we, don't, we can't do anything in and of ourselves to earn it. But yes, there is something we must decide. We must do. Jesus said to repent and believe. His first message ever. Repent and believe. That requires something on our part. That requires us to turn away from sin and turn to God. Now, I know that's not the meaning of the word in the Greek, but in the Hebrew, that's the word. All right? It means to turn to. It means we must make a decision to turn to God. Right? I know, and, and, and you know, the, the Greek, I believe, complements it. They both complement each other. Right, because in the Greek it means to change one's mind. In other words, we have to change our mind about sin. We have to change our mind that everything's good. I can do whatever I want. I don't need a savior. Who are you to tell me what to do? We have to change our mind about that and more. But we have to say, you know what? I am a wretched, dirty sinner, destined for hell, and I, I and I cannot change that destiny without Jesus. Right? That, that requires something of us. That comes at a cost, right? We have to leave the comfortable life we had before behind ourselves. We have to leave it behind. I, I, you know, it, it may require us leaving family behind. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring the sword. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I didn't come to bring peace, but the sword. Right? And he goes on to explain separating family even. Right? Brother against brother things like that. That's costly, but we don't like to teach that today, right? That's, that's, that's offensive to people. What do you mean? I thought Jesus came to make me a better person. I thought, I thought Jesus came in human form to show us how awesome we could be. No, that's heretical. That's blasphemous. Jesus came because we were sinners, horrible, wretched. And I, I don't care what sin a person has committed. Because all sin separates us from God. Whether we're murdering people or we lie. A sin is a sin is a sin. I know there's varying degrees of sin. I've already talked about that. So you can go look up that episode. But there, all sin separates us from God, right? Any sin will, will, will give us this infinite separation from God. I believe I heard uh, A.W. Tozer put it like that. And I agree with it. It separates us from God forever, right? Such a wide gulf that would be impossible to close up on our own, right? That's why Jesus had to come, right? He didn't come to make us a better version of ourselves. How do you make a better version of a wretched, dirty sinner? You can't do that, right? It, does, it doesn't work that way. You, you can't do it. No, he came to redeem us, to cleanse us of our filthiness. And if we don't recognize that, then, then that, I don't know what message of salvation or version of the gospel is being taught, but it's not the gospel. And it's certainly not biblical. It comes at great cost. And because we're teaching this cheap salvation, this free salvation, if you will, 
it's coming at a great cost in the church and, of course, by and large, to America or whatever nation you may be in, right? Because, by the way, there are other nations out there that are even worse off than us in terms of uh, Christianity and such. So it's coming at great cost to us, right? We, we are supposed to be salt and light. And, and I heard it, this really touched on a lot uh, this weekend when I was at an apologetics conference here in Corpus Christi, Texas, where Lee Strobel and Mark Middleburg were at. And uh, one of them, I can't remember exactly which one now, so forgive me, uh, talked about being salt and light. Right? Salt, in case you're wondering, back in ancient times was not used as you know, flavored food all the time, right? Salt was costly. Salt was very um, costly back then, just to let you know. In fact, it was so costly that sometimes men would trade salt to form a covenant. And salt was used mainly as a preservative, right? You would salt the meat that you got to preserve it because there were. There was no refrigeration. So so Jesus makes it, you know, what what happens if the salt loses its saltiness, right? Is it worth anything? No, it's not. He says, uh, Jesus makes, um, the, he loses to eight. It's no good. Right? I know this is a paraphrase. Bear with me, right? It's not good for anything, but to be what? Trampled, thrown out and trampled under. What, what is happening to the church today by and large in America? Who's winning? Is it the gospel? Is it Christ? What What's happening today? Well, it's certainly not the church. I will tell you that straight up in front. The church is not winning right now. Not because the darkness is so great. Not because we can't win. But because of this cheap gospel being preached. That's why. You preach a cheap gospel... What else? What are you going to get out of it? Cheap Christians, right? No different than, we'll say, knockoff products, right? I mean, I've been to Iraq, and I bought a lot of knockoff products right there when I was there. But but surely, we'll, we'll say, you know what? I've got, I've got these over here on my desk. I'm going to put these up on the screen. These are, these are my Oakley glasses, right? You see the O there, right? These are the real deal, right? Why, why, why did I buy them? Because they're going to last a long time. They're not going to break. And believe me, I drop these things all the time. So they're going to last. They're, they're, they're of great quality and therefore come at great cost. Versus, I buy a knockoff version of Oakley's and I pay, we'll say, $10 for them, right? So I drop them, guaranteed they're going to break, right? Why? Because they're cheap. They say that they're Oakley's, whoever's selling them. But they're really not. You see what I'm saying? That's exactly where I believe that we are in America today. We, we preach this cheap gospel, this cheap salvation, and we have knockoff Christians. We have Hong Kong Christians walking around today. In other words, claiming Christ, but not living for Christ. Claiming Christ, but showing anything but Christ. And we're paying the price for it. People aren't taking a stand anymore. I mean, Dr. Michael Brown just published an article today. Um, I don't remember the exact title of it, but talking about 
this where you know we were now fighting the lgbtq plus battle and not right and in reference to uh transgenderism right transgender people and but le but let's not forget about the other part of that battle right the homosexuals right the lesbians the gays right let's not partner with them, let's not consider. I'm gonna now. This is my my version of it. Let's not consider the enemy of my enemy my friend. In other words, there are people uh, who are homosexual who are now speaking out against um, transgenders and transgenderism and all that gender dysphoria and 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 all that type of surgery, that butchery that's happening. There are those who are who are who are talking about it and against it. But that doesn't mean we ally with them. That doesn't mean we compromise the gospel. Because now they're fighting that battle. But that's exactly what happened and is happening because of this message of quote unquote free salvation or cheap salvation, right? Because a, a, a Christian, a born again believer, filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the light of the world, or not, not the light, but you know what I'm saying, the light. As as Jesus said, we must we must be salt and light. Would never partner with darkness. Let me make that say that again. All right, the true born again Christian would never, who's supposed to be the light, would never partner with darkness. How do I know that? Guess what the Bible tells me. I told you. I simply try to say what the Bible says. That's it. That is my foundation for everything. What does the Bible say? All right. The Bible does it say anything? Yes. It shouts over and over again right i mean moses speaking in his last days to the children of israel makes this abundantly clear choose this day right choose light and dark death or life blessings or cursings so we we can't choose both we choose one or the other but when we don't think we have to. Well, what are we going to choose? Well, maybe I can have both. No, there's no such thing as a fence sitter. It's either part of one or the other. There, there's no nuance here. There's room for nuance in lots of other areas. But when it comes to salvation and how we live for Christ afterwards, which I'll get more into Wednesday, then, no, there's a, there's a, there's a stark difference. The world needs real Christians, authentic Christians, not people profaning the name of Jesus, right? Not not showing people how how much of a sinful life that they can live, and then still quote unquote be saved. That's not the way it works ever. We are not to be a slave to sin, but but we like to. Hmm, how how do I put this? We like to compromise on this, right? Why? number of reasons we compromise on this for likability we want people to like us we want people to receive as well we do this for for a numbers game right well if i if i if i preach a hard message if i preach the actual message of salvation right of 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 crucifying your flesh for instance with its lust and desires i'm gonna lose church members and i'm gonna lose, lose money Love of mammon, 
ring any bells. But this is how this is how business is done. By and large, not everybody, obviously, but by and large, and we're paying the price for it. Salvation comes at great cost. Think about it. Brother Paul wrote, I have crucified my flesh with his lust and desires. Well, but what about what Paul wrote when, when he said he did things that he didn't want to do and the things he didn't want to do, he did not that. What about these two wars and, and the flesh and the spirit? Well, Paul's not saying he's perfect. But Paul made abundantly clear he is not a slave to those lusts and desires. They don't control him. So I'm going to ask you this question then. What controls you? What do you fall prey to? What are you living like every day? Is it a day filled with maybe, you know, you fall into temptation, but but you repent, right? You, you get back up is the point. Not you're perfect, not that I'm perfect, but you get back up. And you're like, no, I, I, I'm grieved by what I did. That, that should be a hallmark of a Christian. Does sin grieve you? Sin over there? And when you sin, does it grieve you? Because if it doesn't grieve you, you might you, may, you probably bought into a message of cheap and free salvation. Pretty much. Because no true believer goes on sinning. We see that in, I believe, the book of 1 John. Right, no one who has seen the Lord goes on sinning. I believe that's in First John chapter five. But but we preach this. Oh, oh, no, okay, okay. That brother, sister, struggling. It's a nice candy-coated term for sin. Right. In other words, in the context where somebody's living in fill in the blank sin. Oh, they're struggling. No. They're truly not set free from it. They're, they're, they're struggling. They're, right? No. They're just not set free from it. There's a difference between committing a sin. Man, I, I, I lost my temper there. I, I shouldn't have lost my temper. Or I should have been more patient. And you recognize that. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to do what it takes next time to be different. You may not get it right every time. Well, I guarantee you're not. But at least you recognize, you know, I'm going to continue going up. Right? In other words, you, you fall down, you get back up, and you continue mission. Right? That right there. Because it comes down to, what is it? Ready for it? We're supposed to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow Jesus daily. If we're not willing to do that, if we're not willing to do that, then we've bought into the message, a false message of salvation. You know, I I, I listen to um, A.W. Tozer's sermons quite a bit. I love it. love what the guy has to say. Um, I, I, I love it. And, and, you know, this message of just accept Jesus is a blasphemous statement. Now, before you run off and hate me and unsubscribe or whatever. Let me, let me unpack it for you. Why? It's a message of, of, of unbiblical salvation. In other words, as brother Tozer put it, and some of you might not get this, right? In other words, this is, this, this presents a message that Jesus is waiting hat in hand for us, right? This is not my quote. And, and so in other words, 
Let me, let me, let me try to put it in a more modern version. Right, in other words, Jesus is not there begging and asking us to come to him because he doesn't need it. Jesus never once said, I'm waiting on you. I'm begging you, please come. You'll never find it anywhere in the life of Jesus where he begged anybody. How do I know that? Well, you can use a few examples. The rich and ruler comes to mind as a favorite for this, right? Comes to him. What must I do? Jesus asks him, well, have you, have you, have you obeyed the commands? Oh yeah. He's like, I didn't lie. I never lied. I, I never took a cookie from the cookie jar. Uh, um, I, I never uh, stayed up late playing video games. Things like that, right? He, in other words, he was saying, yes, 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 Jesus. I have followed the law. I've obeyed it. And Jesus tells him to what? To go sell his belongings. Not because money is a bad thing or being rich is evil. But he knew where his heart laid. That, that money, riches, was this guy's idol. Those were his idols. Now what happens after that? Right? He, he, he looks sad. He, he, he turns and leaves. And Jesus says, come back, please, please. No, he didn't do that. He let him go. Now, it says that, that uh, depending on the translation, read something about Jesus was grieving his heart, sad in his heart. But the point is Jesus never chased after him. Even, even in, in uh, um, a favorite with the uh, prodigal son, right? The father gave that son what he, what he wanted, right? No different than the whole Martha's Vineyard and shipping the uh, illegal immigrants to these different places. They asked it. They got what they deserve. Anyway, so this is what happened, right? What happened? Did the father chase after him? Please, son, don't go. If you stay, I'll give you more money. No, he let him go. He didn't chase after him. Now, it's an illustration, right? It's a parable. This, this is, this is. Who God? God is not begging anybody to come to Him. God says, "These are my terms. Deal with it, right? These are my terms. Take it or leave it. Either I'm your Lord or I'm not." But we preach a message where where we don't have to do that anymore, right? What does that mean anyway, Lord? Right? We, well, first off, we preach make Jesus your Savior, right? And, and we get it backwards. No, Jesus is not our Savior unless he is first our Lord. There's not, oh, oh, I'm going to make Jesus my Savior now, and then later I'll make him my Lord. That's not anywhere in the Bible. The, the Bible doesn't say if you confess Jesus, if you confess that Jesus is your Savior. No, it doesn't. So that we must confess Jesus as our what? Our Lord. Why? Because that's essential. What does that mean? Lord. That means we, we give our lives to obey him completely. And Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. So then the opposite would be, if we don't follow his commandments, then we don't love him. We see that play out today. Professing Christians. Go, go out and get drunk. Go and watch porn. Go shack up with their boyfriend or their girlfriend without getting married. I, they claim to love Jesus. 
but they don't obey his commandments. So we can claim all day long. Even Jesus made it abundantly clear in Matthew chapter 7. Right? And they'll say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do? You name it, in your name. What is Jesus, what is Jesus, what is Jesus going to tell those type of people on that day? Oh, that's okay. I forgive you. You went to the wrong church. You didn't hear the right gospel message. It's okay. No, he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. There's a whole lot to unpack here, so let's do it. Right? It talks about their prophesying in his name. Let's 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 pause there for a second. Right? Because they talk about healing your name, prophesying your name. You know, in the Bible, it says that people can do that, but they're not of God. Right? Um, let's see. I got a scripture pulled up here. Hold on, right? Deuteronomy 18:22, right? So it says that right? Okay. Which, by the way, is very applicable today, right? I mean, we got prophecies going out machine style, right? None of them are, well, I want to say none of them, but the vast, vast, vast majority of them out there are not coming to pass. It says, do not make people when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord. If the thing is not occur come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously, you should not be afraid of him. So there's an example. There's a good one about, well, but they prophesy. They call themselves prophets. They, they get their words published on the Elijah list. Right? Well, doesn't mean they're of the Lord. Your position, whatever you call yourself, I don't care if you're the head pastor of the largest church. It doesn't prove you're saved any more than this water bottle is. It just means you call yourself the head pastor and you're the head pastor of that church. The, the, the distinction of saved and unsaved is Jesus, if Jesus is our Lord or not. That's the distinction, but we don't preach that. We don't preach that, hey, when you come, if you're going to come to Christ, it's going to be costly. You must be willing to obey him in every way. People don't like that message of salvation. People want to, people want to, um, would rather um, answer the message of Jesus. He came here to make you a better person, right? He came here to empower you. He, he came here so, so you don't have to be sick again. He came here so that you wouldn't have, you don't have to worry about being poor ever again. But if you're poor, you're living in sin and, you know, so much more than that. But Jesus didn't come to do any of that. No, Jesus didn't come to empower you. The Holy Spirit empowers you. Jesus came, but only if we bow the knee. Only if we confess that he is our Lord. Only if we decide to obey him, whatever the costs. Only if we repent and fully believe that Jesus is God. But while, 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 of course, I love unity, I want unity among the brothers and sisters. However, we can't compromise the Bible truths for the sake of unity. Jesus never once did that. 
Paul never did that. None of the authors in the Bible ever once compromised Bible truth for the sake of unity. Why do we do that today? Right? We, we come to this un, these unbiblical conclusions. And I understand evil intentions aren't behind it. I get it. But at the end of the day, it's still wrong. In other words, what, I'm, what am I saying? If you don't believe Jesus is Lord, right, which means God, you're not saved. You're believing a different gospel. You're believing a different Jesus, which the Bible warns explicitly against. So no, they are not our brothers or sisters in Christ, those who, who don't believe that Jesus is is a part of the, tr the Trinity. If, if, if people cannot accept it, in other words, if they outright reject it, I'm not saying for new believers that they have to accept it, understand it, or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about people who outright reject it are not saved. But we preach that they are in many places. We want to argue things. Well, 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 well maybe, maybe it's this. Because a person can't grasp the nature of the Trinity. So they reject it. Well, you know what? I don't grasp the true nature of the Trinity in its fullness. Nobody can claim to do that. It's a, it's one of those mysteries. What, what do you mean God three in one? What, what does that even mean? I can't explain it fully. The early church fathers could not explain it fully, but they accepted it. And if you never have, I would recommend you reading the Athanasian Creed. I believe that's probably the best creed that goes into the Trinity and, and, and the best explanation. But we, we, we're okay sometimes with people who believe otherwise. And we can't do that. But it's, that's the cost of when we teach and preach a free salvation message. No, we believe what God commands us to believe. We don't get the option of disagreeing with it. Not if we want to be in the kingdom of God. There are no such thing as optional commandments that were given by Jesus. Right? We, we don't get the option of choosing a sin. We don't get that. We obey Jesus all of the way or none of the way. We're either saved 100% or we're not saved at all. We, 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 we have got to get better leaders at, at preaching the correct message of salvation. Right? Uh, my friend Richard here put on uh, in the chat, it says that the world hateth me and they will hate you also. Absolutely. But we don't preach that. Hey, when you come to Christ, the world is going to hate you. You're going to lose family. You're going to lose friends. Because that is what the Bible says. So if you want, it's going to cost you greatly. It's, it, it may even cost you your very life. And this, by the way, this is what Christians around the world face by and large every day. In, in places like northern Nigeria, I, my friend Brad Brandon, I interviewed on this. His, his ministry is in uh, northern Nigeria, where if a member of the Fulani is found out to be a Christian, they will literally be hunted down. I mean, he talked about, I believe, if a mother 
came to Christ, right? Her sons took out a bounty on her. Yeah, that's the very real deal. You, you know, the, the cost is of when you come to Christ. He may require everything. He may, may tell you, hey, go to that third world country and minister there. Who knows? But it ain't free, right? That's another thing where people teach and preach. Jesus paid it all. Well, no, Jesus did not. It's called penal substitutionary atonement, right? A big uh, theological phrase to mean that, no, Jesus did not pay anything. In other words, he died in our place where we should have died when we should have hung on that cross, right? What Jesus did was do it in our place. I think I made this analogy before, but let me make this analogy now. Here's what here's what here's what it would look like if Jesus paid for it. We're in a prison cell, and Jesus comes and and post bail or or what is it called bond? That's what it would look like. Except Jesus didn't do that. What Jesus actually did was we were on death row. Right, we were on death row. Right, you pick the execution method. Electric chair, lethal injection, hanging, fire squad, whatever. Point point being is, what happened was, Jesus walked into onto death row. He gave the offer, I will take your place. I I will I will get injected lethally. I will sit in the electric chair. I will get hung. You name it. That's what Jesus actually did. It wasn't he pay, he posted bail, right? It wasn't that he went to the courthouse and, and and that large fine we had to pay. No. It wasn't it wasn't a a pay this fine or go to jail. No, we were literally on death row and Jesus came in and died in our place. That didn't come free. It cost Jesus everything. And if you and 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 following that, doesn't it cost us everything? Jesus is supposed to be our example. Jesus is the one we're supposed to be following. So then it would follow that we would do what Jesus did. It would cost us everything as well. It's not free. I don't know what it may cost you. I don't, I can't say that for sure. But it is costly. And I'm not going to water it down for the sake of people accepting it or rejecting it. I'm not going to do it. I have a, a, a responsibility. But we fail when we when we preach this, this free or, or cheap message, if you will. And by the way, when people do that, guess what? The blood, their blood, their, their their life, you will be held accountable for, preacher, pastor, evangelist, whomever. How do I know that? So so God, right, comes to a man named Ezekiel. And he's going to call Ezekiel to prophesy to the people of Israel. Okay, so he's going to do that. But 
he doesn't say just go prophesy. He's, he, 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 he tells him a few things. He tells him, go, go talk to them. Tell them what I tell you to say, but they're going to reject you. Oh, by the way, but they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But then he goes into this explanation of a watchman. Right? He, he basically alludes to it that Ezekiel is a watchman. And in the ancient times, if you don't know, a watchman was responsible for sounding the alarm when danger approached the city. And if he failed for whatever reason to sound the alarm and something happened, he would be held responsible for it. Well, guess what? That's what God, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, that's what God told Ezekiel. You are a watchman. If you don't warn these people. And then he, he, he generalizes it as well. If a man fails to do this, man of God fails to do this, then the blood, their blood will be on his hands. I'm curious and, and more than curious, heartbroken actually, to wonder how much blood are on the hands of the pastors and preachers and prophets today. I guarantee bucket loads at least. You know, the prophets nowadays, double for your trouble, right? I reviewed some of these words at the, at the beginning of the year. God just wants to bless you. Breakthroughs coming your way anytime without a single word of repentance, without a single command to obey. It grieves me to think about the number of people whose blood is on the hands of, of, of church leaders out there today. And I'm not saying this, please hear me, critical, judgmental, prideful way. I'm very, very heartbroken and grieved by this. And, and we all should be. We want revival in America. But we don't want to preach the true message of the gospel. We, we don't want to preach the absolute 100% need because we, we are, you know, because there are people who are dirty, rotten sinners. Just, just point blank. I was a dirty, rotten sinner before Christ redeemed me. And that Christ will redeem you and he will set you free from sin. And he's going to give you a set of rules to live by for your own good. Right? We're supposed to be salt, light. Right? These rules also point to the world. Hey, I'm of Jesus. Right? When, when the boys invite me out to go drinking at a bar, I don't go along. I don't go to those type of places anymore because I'm of Christ. Amen? When my friend invites me to smoke weed, I'm not going to do it because I'm supposed to be sober-minded and I'm going to show that friend that, you know what, I'm different. There's something different about me. I don't listen to the same music anymore. I'm not going to I'm not gonna listen to that garbage out there. I'm not going to listen to that garbage filled with profanity. Right? I'm not going to listen to that garbage that demeans women. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to that garbage that promotes drunkenness and womanizing and all, there's all sorts of other stuff that's out there today. I'm not going to do it because I'm of Christ. I'm gonna show the world different. What does different look like? Jesus. That's what difference, that's what different looks like. But we don't want to do that because we offend and we're paying the price. 
the efficacy of a of, of the church in America is most likely at an all-time low. Lower than it's ever been in our history. Lower than it was before the first great awakening. Lower than it was before the second great awakening. Lower than it's been since you named the revival. Why? Like I said, because darkness is so great. No, because we've refused to be the light. And we refuse to, quite frankly, preach the true message of salvation. And salvation, by the way, is the most wonderful thing ever. I, I don't look back in my old life and say, man, I kind of miss you fill in the blank. Right? I don't do that. I don't, I don't, I don't reminisce on the things I used to do and they were so great. But we do that. Don't you hear that today? So many Christians do that today. Man, ha, 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 man, I remember, I remember when I got so sloshed and drunk and ha, 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 and they and they laugh about it and, and treat it like like it's a light thing, like sin is a light thing. But why? Because cross churches in many areas, sin is treated as a light thing. Sin is not a light thing, my friends. It cost Jesus everything. Yes, he did it willingly. Yes, he did it out of love. But the fact remains, it cost Jesus literally everything. It cost him his very life. So no, my friends, salvation doesn't come cheaply at all. It comes at a great cost to those who, who, who are willing, who willingly want to just go after it. Like I said, however you work that out, you know, I don't care. As long as you believe the true message of salvation, right? Do people get a choice? Does God enable them to make a choice? And, and they can. Do you, do you believe that, that people are predestined? What Whatever. How you work that out, as, as long as we, we, we believe the same thing about how people can come, how come to salvation through Christ and faith in Christ alone, being justified through him, sanctified through him alone, you know, we're good. But what I'm not good with is that now I come and Jesus is my buddy. Now I come and Jesus is my best friend. Man, it's going to be so great. We're going to go on fishing trips together. I can ask him whatever I want. He's going to give it to me. Not true. Not true. How many, I wonder, I wonder how many people have begged not to die and be killed and were anyways. No, it has to be done according to who? Or I'm sorry, to what? The will of God. Does it glorify God or not? We don't, we don't, but, but that's the message. No, I, you know, if I come to Christ, if you come to Christ, man, you can treat him like a giant vending machine. Like he, he, he's the sky Santa. That's what he is. I can sit on his lap. I can ask him all the time. We go live like wretched sinners. That ain't, that ain't no gospel message. My friends, what the true gospel is, is what I've done my best to unpack in this brief time with you today. Right there. There are others who have said it differently. But similar things, and that's fine. I'm not the know-it-all person here. I've just done my part in obedience to God in my prayer time. Yeah, by the way, yeah, this is so, in this this morning, you know, I really felt the urge and the unction of God. God, what do you want me to talk on this week? So it's been scheduled out. 
because I believe that's what God said to me. He spoke to me clearly what he wants me to talk on. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up on this. Right. We need more giant killers out there, not being killed by giants. More giant killers out there today. Are you, are you on board with me today? If you heard this message, perhaps watching it live, listening to it later on, watching it later on, whatever the case may be, and you realize, you know what? I, I gave into, I gave into this cheap message and I'm not really a Christian. You know what? It's as easy wherever you're at, driving, home, work, whatever. You can come and give your life. That's what it means. That's what we should say. We give our lives to Christ and we make him our Lord. Guess what? It'll happen. And I tell, I, just, I love to tell people, what, what's your salvation story? Well, I was sitting in my red chair in a tiny apartment, January 2019. I told Jesus, hey, I am so sick and tired of listening to the world. I only want to listen to you from now on. Boom. Everything changed in that moment. Everything changed in that moment. So there's no formula. There's no wording. What it is, it's a matter of the heart. Do we truly believe, as the Bible says, that Jesus is Lord? If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. That's all it takes. But you got to believe it fully. You have to believe it fully. And they say, understand it fully. I said, believe it fully. If that's you, come to Christ today. Come to Christ today. All right. Hey, and if you did, you know what? Contact me. Maybe it's your first time hearing something like this. Come to Christ. Now, now, now here I am preaching. Well, contact me though, for real. All right. You can go onto my website, davidcmcguire.org. All right. There's a contact form right there. Believe me, I've, I've, I've had some people do that. All right. I'll get it in my email. All right. Or if you want to email, you can email me directly. All right. All the information is in the video description. Contact me. All right. I got something for you for free, man. Free resource. So let me know. But other than that, we're going to end the show for today. Um, so I will be with you again, of course, on, on Wednesday. I will be with you. Um, and you know, I honestly don't, can't remember who's going to, what, what interview is going to be airing tomorrow. Um, actually I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to air one tomorrow or not. Um, but either way, I will see you again Wednesday, 4 30 PM central. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to smash that like button, smash, 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 and share it as well. All right. God bless you all.